Hi, this is Ryan, and thank you for joining us here on I Missed It. We want to hear your opinions, too. You can find us over on Twitter at I Missed It Pod. Let us know if you're watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer along with us, whether it's for the first time, like me, or the fifth time, like Brittany. This show would not exist as part of the Ghostlight Media Network without the support of our patrons. You can find the rest of the network shows over at ghostlightmedia.net. Please take a minute and rate and review this podcast and whatever podcatcher will let you. It really means a lot to us. That's all for now. Enjoy the show. Welcome to I Missed It, the podcast where we watch a show that one of us wanted to watch again and the other one missed entirely. I'm Ryan and I missed it. And I'm Brittany and I didn't. And we are on Buffy, season one, episode ten now. We're getting closer and closer to that good, good season finale. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite season finale. Okay. Um... The same thing happens in, like, three other season finales. Oh, well, you know, when you have to do, what, seven of them? They can't all be unique and super special. No. Uh, this episode is entitled Nightmares. IMDb describes it as a series of strange occurrences lead Buffy and her friends to discover that their worst nightmares have literally become reality. I give it a seven. Yeah, I would give it... Probably like a 7.3. It's okay. It's okay. All right. Well, the internet thinks it's better than okay because the internet has this all the way up at an 8.3, which is a pretty high rating for this season. Most of the other ones have been in the sevens. Yeah. Except the worst episode ever. Except the worst episode of all time. (laughs) Yes. So we are uh, back recording this. We've been recording a little bit intermittently um, because we had baby number two. And you might hear her... There she is. That's a good cue. You might hear her a little intermittently throughout this. We'll see how that goes. The uh, first and most important thing to note about this episode is that Angel's not in it. Yes. Which is all that matters. There's no Angel sighting. There's no Angel sighting. There is no Angel sighting. He is still gone on whatever vampire vacation he went on. I don't know what that would be, but I don't know. Probably New Orleans. I don't know why New Orleans and vampires are a thing, but... I mean, that's all the way across the country. <laughs> well, he's a vampire, so can't he, like, run fast? But only at night? Well, I don't think they really... I don't think that's, like, lore in Buffy with vampires. Oh, okay. They can run a lot. They have stamina, but not necessarily super speed. Yeah. Gotcha. They do have super strength, though. Correct. Because why wouldn't they? All right, so Nightmares. This is uh, very suitably titled. It's all about nightmares. It's about a kid who's in a coma, um, and there may or may not be uh, child pedophilia. Well, there's no other kind of pedophilia. That's by definition what that is. But it looked like that's kind of what they were ending up going for with the twist, and um, then they kind of backtracked a little bit. Yeah, because his coach beat him. Into a coma. Because he lost. 
Yeah, because he like missed a ball or something. Yeah, he like made that. an error and he missed a play, and then they lost. Um, and we're talking about a kid that's what ten? Probably, probably ten. Not that it's better if he's younger or older, but we're not talking about a, a senior in high school. Correct. Right, for context, we're talking about an elementary age child, and then it felt like they've kind of backtracked from it. Yeah, like I don't know. I just got the vibe of that was probably written into the original script, and mm-hmm. then they just somebody told them to take it out. Yeah. So they just like said, "Oh, he beat him into a coma because of this," and that's about it. Right. So the boy's in a coma. He comes back into the world as a ghost, and nightmares follow him. Mm-hmm. Basically. So that means um, every single person in the Buffyverse, well, except Angel, because he's not here, uh, they all experience their worst nightmares or multiple nightmares, uh, and we get to see the results. And some of them are hilarious, and some of them are just actually terrifying. But because of the higher stakes that the actors are given, uh, they actually, you know, acted mm-hmm. in this episode. Like the bit where... Um, Buffy's dad tells her he doesn't love her and she's a failure and everything. And I'm like, oh, we just need this for Sarah Michelle Geller to be able to act. Yeah. Right? And it was a really good moment for her. And then, you know, it was a nightmare. It was all a dream and everything. Yeah. I honestly completely forgot that they had multiple nightmares. When we got to them, I remembered them. But I, the only one that I remembered having multiple nightmares was Xander. Because I remembered both of his. Because he had... Nazis, and he had clowns, and na- being naked in front and of his naked class. in front of his class. Yeah, except he wasn't because he wasn't naked. They several times that were like, "Oh my god, he was naked!" I'm like, "No, he was he, wearing boxers." Yeah, like I get that. That's all as far as you can go on this show. Yeah. I get it, but they were insistent upon that fact. They kept using naked. Yes, and there is actually a scene later in season two whatever the swim team episode is, where he's in a Speedo. He's wearing less in front of everyone. Well, I guess he got over it. He did punch the clown in the face, so. Yeah. So I remembered Xander having multiple, but he was the only one that I remembered having multiple. Most of the nightmares were done pretty well. Um, Mm -hmm. Special shout out to the very, very bad wig that um, Cordelia had. Yes. That was a hideous wig. It's supposed to be. Um... Oh, gosh, it was so bad. Uh, it was very clearly fake, too. Like, you obviously, and you knew it was fake, but it yeah. was so bad. So shout out to the costume and makeup and hair departments on that one. Did you remember the rest of the nightmares ahead of time? I did. Um, I forgot about... Like, there is ones that I forgot because I thought that they only had one, except Xander. So, like, I forgot that Giles... One of Giles' nightmares was that he couldn't read. Which is a good one. Oh, that was good. That was a really good bit. That was very cleverly done and fit him very well. Because it's really easy to not have nightmares for older people or things like that, but mm-hmm. they fit him really, really well. Um, yeah. It's and also really easy for these nightmare-type episodes of shows to be 
one note or mm, bad. And stupid. Uh, yeah, yeah, but they, they kept it going the whole time, mm-hmm. which was good. Yeah. So I, But I did remember that, I mean, kind of, I said that his nightmare was Buffy becoming a vampire. And right. I think that was kind of, it was between Buffy and Giles. Because yeah. his biggest nightmare was her dying. Right. He had a line that was uh, asking Buffy if she had a nightmare of becoming a vampire. Like, And that was a good bonding moment. They didn't really dig into it much more, but it was a there. Yeah. So, like, his was Buffy dying. Hers was being buried alive. And I think for the both of them, it was her becoming a vampire. So, because I wrote him stuff about her becoming a vampire for him. I remember that Willows was being on stage. Yeah, okay. Um, we gotta talk about that, because you can't do that anymore. The way they did it. The makeup and the oh, yeah. whole... Yeah. She was in... I think it, I think it was Japanese. Yeah. Uh, like, Kaboko... Or that's not even the right word. I don't know. Kabuki. Kabuki? Couldn't tell you. Something I have no like idea. She looked like Mulan. Mis- yeah, it was... But that's Chinese. China. Yeah, she looked like Mulan. So maybe it was Chinese. I don't know. I, I guess that doesn't even really help the case because it was just kind of vaguely Asian. Yeah. Um, but they did the the white powder face and they did the lips and they mm-hmm. did the full costume and they were like, yeah, it's fine. She's singing opera. But then the guy on stage with her for that was just an Italian dude in yeah. a suit. So, yeah, you cannot do that this way. Not without setting it up better because it just kind of popped out of nowhere and in the 90s you can get away with that right not anymore Um, but also it's really funny to me that they like bank her as the one of the two best singers in the world because Allison Hannigan cannot sing right because we find that out later throughout this and we know that from like uh, American Pie and we know that from How I Met Your Mother yeah. It's a whole thing that Allison Hannigan cannot sing. Yeah. And I mean, it's a thing in the musical episode, too. Sure. Right. Which we'll get to. Like, she doesn't she doesn't sing a lot. Like, maybe three times. Gotcha. She sang by herself. <laughs> um, And then I remembered the part about Buffy's dad coming. And I wrote, like, disowning her, but basically, like, just telling her he doesn't love her anymore. She's the worst. Yeah. That she's a failure in mm-hmm. many different ways and... Yeah, so I remembered that, but I also think that they, I don't, her dad doesn't show up a lot. He shows up. A handful of times. A handful of times. Not as often as her mom. Her mom is like recurring. there all the time, okay. Um, But he shows up a couple times, and I think they change actors. I don't remember. Huh. Well, that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. But, so I did, I remembered that. I didn't remember about the being buried alive. Or the history test. Yeah, the history test was weird because I don't really know. I guess that was a nightmare yes. for Buffy that she. There was a test she hadn't studied for, mm-hmm. um, which was fine, whatever. And then time went too quick, and then it, it, it felt a little more out of place than other parts of the episode. Yeah, um, especially since it was all set up with uh, with Cordelia being helpful. Yeah, in an underhanded kind of way. Like, of all people that just walked past the group and was like, hey, do y'all study for the history test? Let's go. Like, it was Cordelia. They could have very easily had a throwaway character for that, but they didn't, which was strange. Yeah. 
I think that it was supposed to be very weird because since it was the first one, so you're not really sure. Well, it was the what. second one at that point. Oh, uh, well, Wendell, spiders. right. But I think that that one is what started that day of nightmares. Gotcha. So I think it was supposed to be a, like a huge juxtaposition between everything. Gotcha. And everything's weird. Yeah. Everything's off. Everything's a nightmare. Yeah. Cordelia being pleasant is someone's nightmare. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently it's Joss Whedon's nightmare because he's gone out of his way so far for the previous nine episodes. And that's, I think that did help kind of set up the Cordelia having her crazy hair and the bit about her, I'm not a member of the chess team and like those nightmares. Really awful outfit. Right. Like, because all the other people who have the nightmares, you're supposed to feel bad for them. But because Cordelia set up that you're not supposed to like her, those are funny. Uh, I would like to uh, shout out uh, my favorite side character, uh, Wendell. Yes. Because in his very, very good one line of, uh, I'm so ashamed. Just so matter of fact. <laughs> what, he, what was Cordelia's line? You're in my light or something like that. And he mm-hmm. was, oh, it was just a great line. And I was convinced that he was going to die because all of my favorite side characters that get like the one line at the beginning, they end up dying. Yeah. He didn't die. I don't think he comes back, but I don't, he didn't die. He did not die in this episode. Were you going to say Wendell, too? Yeah, I was. I like Wendell. Wendell was was great. It was a good moment. The only other thing that I really had was... I forgot about the Lucky 19 thing in the basement. Oh, the the smoking kills sign? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, that was so meta. I loved Mm -hmm. it. But, my gosh. Mm -hmm. And also, something that I thought was funny at the beginning was that in Buffy's nightmare about the master, she goes in and she's all, like, creeping in, doing her Buffy thing, or, like, her Slayer thing of being quiet. Oh, at the beginning of the episode? Yeah. And you see the master, like, behind something. Like, he's almost afraid of her, I guess, but not because he's just trying to sneak up on her. Right. Um, But then he, she turns around and he's there and he hisses at her. Yeah. And then breathes, and she drops her stake like it's the most terrifying thing in the world. Yeah, well, nightmares are weird. Well, that was a nightmare from before it happened, I guess. Yeah. Before the nightmare started becoming. Correct. Yeah, it was how it started. Like, how the episode started. So let's talk about the boy. Billy? Yes, Billy. Billy. Because there's two things about Billy. And the first thing about Billy is that he is not played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, even though it really, really looks like it. Correct. That is not a very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It is not Angels in the Outfield, JGL, coming back for another go. But then also you were very quick to point out to me so that I wouldn't be confused that it was, in fact, not uh, the boy. The anointed one. Yes. I'm calling, uh, what did I write him down as? Uh, Voldemort's child minion. Yes. Is what I wrote down. But it was strange because it was it's like the same haircut on all of them and it's just the 90s hairstyle and yeah. the 90s, what the 90s child star looks like, I guess. I don't know, but it was confusing 
in mm-hmm. multiple ways that I don't think were intended. Because that's the thing about Buffy is so many of these episodes and plot devices are things that are meant to purposefully confuse you. Yeah. Or meant to mislead you or meant to set you up thinking one thing and then the twist happens, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a trope of the show. It's a trope of the genre. It's something Joss Whedon does and does pretty well most of the time. So it's weird when there's moments in the show like that where it's, hey, here's this kid who looks a lot like this other kid on the show, but it's just happenstance. Yeah. It probably would have been a better comparison to not get confused if the kid was, like, blonde or had red hair or something Yeah, if like he just that. had d- a different color hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, he's a kid, so you can't make him dye his hair. Right. Or anything like that. Did they ever explain how the kid was in the real world? Yes. They talked about astral projection. They talked about astral projection. Okay. That he was astral projecting himself and um, the nightmare, um, his nightmare into the real world. Okay. Gotcha. So evidently, if you astral project, you can interact with things. Yeah. Which is interesting because part of generally like astral projection the idea is that you can be there but you can't interact with things like not interact with people or just not interact like touch things like you're not solid right you're not solidified you're you're almost like a hologram almost usually in other lore and other mythos and other universes whatever yeah you want to think about it i mean my experience with astral projection is the craft or charmed. Okay. Do and they do it differently on that? I think so, because Prue has astral projection, but I think that she, even when she astral projects, she can still fight stuff. Oh, okay. That's um, interesting. But I think in the craft, they can't. Gotcha. Well, they do it on um, Sabrina, on new Sabrina. Yeah. And she can't interact with anything. Right. Nick, I, I she's probably done it. And Nick's done it. On Nick's one, done it. Yeah. But I don't think they've interacted with anything. They just show up. Yeah. So it was interesting because I was very confused. At first, I thought he was a ghost and they were interacting with a ghost. I'm like, wait, what? How is the ghost making the fence move? How did Puffy just, you know, grab the ghost's shirt and pull him? Yeah. No, I think he was an astral projection, I believe is what Giles mentioned. Okay. Speaking of Giles, I'd like to return to my, uh, one of my new favorite bits, which is uh, Anthony Stewart Head is, in fact, a Time Lord. Yeah. Um, because evidently uh, he reads and speaks five different languages. I don't know if that's probably not Anthony Stewart Head, but it is Giles, so that counts. Yeah. Well, I think they have to, like, the Watchers have to, because once we get to another Watcher. Sure. They have to have lore established, and they have to have standards. Yeah, we get another Watcher, which... That doesn't happen for a while, right? In season three. They did the thing... Okay, so they did the thing where they buried Buffy alive. Mm-hmm. Which is a thing that happens on TV shows all the time, apparently. 
And it's always the same camera shot. And it always... It, it's either always that side shot or, like, right down from above. And the side shot always bugs me because the side shot, the camera has to be set far enough back that you can see enough of the person buried alive. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me immediately go, there's plenty more space down there. Yeah. Right? Maybe there's not, no room, like, right above you, right? But however far back the camera is, there's yeah. more room that way. Yeah. it's I th- That has a lot to do with probably, like, a claustrophobia thing. I know when... Um, Ryan Reynolds was in that Buried Alive movie, or I don't know if it was called Buried Alive, but he was in a movie where he spent the entire film in a casket that sounds being awful. buried alive. That's like, awful. he filmed, he physically filmed in a casket that was closed, and they had cameras all over. They had, like, light and cameras all over, but he was actually just acting in a casket by himself. Of course he did, because why not? That's how you do your prep to be Deadpool, clearly. <laughs> Buffy's casual yet inconsistent strength. Um, she has a moment where she literally says, He's too strong. I can't fight him. So I guess she knows the limits of her powers. Mm-hmm. But they've just now gotten to the point, and we're only ten episodes in here. We've now gotten to the point where Buffy is telling the audience whether she can or can't fight something. Yes. But when she fights it later, it has, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that she's a slayer and a vampire. Yeah. A slampire? That's <laughs> sure. A slampire. Cool. I'm going to TM that one. Um, so when we get slampire Buffy. Yeah. Right? And she can't touch her face. Because she'll makeup. ruin the prosthetics of the makeup. Like, it's, it's very funny because she gets her hands really, really close to her face so that all you can see are her very bright nails. Yeah, if, she, if they would have filmed that in a different, at a different angle, then you, it would have been better. Yeah, that was just a weird thing. Like, could they only have her in the makeup for an hour or something? Or I don't know. But that was interesting. That was weird. I'm sure if they did that today, it would be different because you'd actually be able to touch her face. I'm sure. Or be CGI'd or something. Mm-hmm. But also on the note of her casual and inconsistent strength. So does she become, as a slampire, does she have double strength? I would assume she has the strength of a slayer and a vampire. Okay, so you get double strength. It's not just, hey, I get one, I get strength and then I get the same strength again. Yeah. Okay, because a, a slayer and a vampire are supposed to be roughly the same strength-wise, right? I think so. Okay. About. So um, she's got the strength of two. Yeah. The okay. thing is, I, I don't think there's a lot on slayer vampires because usually if you're going to kill a slayer you're going to kill a slayer you're not going to bring them back as a vampire yeah that doesn't go well i'd imagine correct Also, okay, so they had plastic sheeting up so that the clown could knife its way through the plastic sheeting of the nightmares. I don't know where the plastic sheeting in the school came from. It just appeared. Once there were nightmares, there was plastic sheeting everywhere. And they had to keep running through it and had to get knifed through and all this stuff. And it worked well for 
like story beats and dramatics. But then they got outside of the school, and the entire school was covered in plastic sheeting outside. It's possible that that was someone's nightmare because that makes me anxious. Like I don't want to walk through plastic sheeting because yeah. what's you're... the principal's name now? It's not Flutie. It's Snyder. Snyder. Maybe Principal Snyder's nightmare is having to tent the school. Maybe. Right, because of termites or something. Mm-hmm. That's his. There you go. All right, new lore. We're gonna go with that. <laughs> okay. Um, I think the okay. So they had a couple of lines about the Hellmouth. Uh huh. Um, I think they've mentioned the Hellmouth, or actually name dropped it in every episode so far. Probably because um, that's kind of it's kind of the whole point. Yeah. So the entire point is the Hellmouth, Sunnydale, Sunnyvale, Sunnydale, Sunnydale is uh, sits directly above the Hellmouth. It's so how Voldemort can come back and eventually all hell will break loose. Literally. Yes. Is the whole point, but they keep talking about it. And we don't know what it is really yet. We just know it's a thing that exists. Yeah. But they do this thing, and I don't know if it's like really good overarching plot that's trying to tie themes together, or if it's just lazy writing. Is whenever there's something that's weird or off-putting or supernatural or whatever, they immediately go, "Well, we live on a hellmouth. What you gonna do?" Yeah. Right. Because yeah. I get it, because then you get to use Hellmouth more. But it also seems like a really convenient way to just add whatever things into the story you want. Yeah. I don't think that they, when they get like further in, they use it as much. But that's not a thing that they can use on Angel. Sure. Well, because, Angel's in a different city. Yeah, it takes place in L.A. Okay. So it needed to be close enough to Sunnydale. That they can visit. That they can visit conveniently. Uh, some IMDb trivia for you. What do you think we're going to find in here this time? I looked at that. One of them was that Sarah Michelle Geller is also afraid of being buried alive. Which... So that worked out. Not convenient for her, I guess. No. Willow has a Nerf Herder poster in her locker, which is the band that plays the Buffy theme. Oh. I've never heard of them. I've... Uh, haven't heard of them either so (laughs) we do get nazi swastikas in this episode yeah like spray painted all over the school it it was part of xander's nightmare obviously that doesn't happen today no unless it's a plot device about uh, some group or something but it's such a thing now it has different meaning oh okay so here's a bit about the um the opera part um, I hope this is true because it kind of helps. But uh, it says when Willow is asked to sing in her nightmare, the, the opera is Madame Butterfly. It tells the story of a young gay who marries an American soldier, hence Willow's outfit. Um, okay, that helps some, but they would have had to specify. Yeah, on but they the didn't show. say that in the show. Right, they would have had to specify. That's pretty much it for episode 10, Nightmares. You got anything else? Nope. Okay, I'm going to predict poorly. Ryan predicts poorly. God, can we have Angel back, please? I would like to have Angel back in the next episode. Uh, That's my prediction. We're finally going to get Angel back. 
one episode before the finale, and he is the most important character on this show that is not even about him. Yes. Wait till we... You'll never need an angel sighting again once you get to (laughs) Angel. And uh, there are the dulcet tones. Uh, That does it for episode 10 of I Missed It. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brittany. And don't forget that the baby will cry when the episode is ready to be done. Yeah, this is your stage debut, podcast debut. Good job, girl. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.